You're listening to Linked AM. Tell your story on Linked Live and get noticed. You're listening to Carl Wolfenden on the Business Class Show and is not always affiliated with the guests and the topics discussed. Any financial statements are the opinions of the individual and you should seek professional advice before making any decisions. Upgrade your listening to Business Class, the show that puts you in the big leather comfy seats. So sit back and enjoy our take on the trending business issues of the week. Howdy, folks. Here he is, the Texas Brit, the guy with the stiff upper lip, filling his 10-gallon hat and his cowboy boots, Carl Wolfenden. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Linked AM. And yes, it's Carl here over at Business Class News. And wow, we're actually in the month of October. Can you believe it? We're actually entering into that fourth quarter and where we've, been, where we've been talking for the past five years about how you need to start thinking about 2021 because it's going to be soon upon us. And please, let, let it be a better one than 2020. I mean, I must admit. But, you know, we do every year for the past five years, we do a thing called um, race to the start line. Race to the start line, of course, is is trying to you know start planning, you know, getting things in place for for really. If you're first to the start line, as we like to say, you've got a better chance of getting revenue, getting your your operations in place, and starting to plan. And I was talking to my friends over at uh, Lathrop GPM. You know, we've been had many of the partners on there talking about different subjects and topics, and I said, you know what sort of things do we have to look at when we start planning? And they said, well, succession planning is something that really needs to be thought about. And uh, you need to talk to Ben Keller. And so I've got Ben on the studio line, in the studio virtually here. So thanks, Ben, for joining me uh, this morning. Happy to be here. Thank you. So, um, now, as, as I was saying, you know, I've had lots and lots of conversations with your colleagues over the past few months. And, you know, I, I, one of the things I love about your firm is that you've such got a, a broad uh, sort of stretch of, of experience. Uh, and when the word came up of succession planning, I was like, okay, well, what, what does this mean? So, Ben, what does succession planning mean? Succession planning is it's a very broad topic. And I have morphed the term succession really into what we use today called transition planning. They're basically synonymous, but it's an all-encompassing field that brings together many areas of the law, and the attempt is to do what the word suggests, transition a business from one generation to another generation or from one group to another group. The typical way it's viewed is, in the family context, trying to transition the business from a senior generation to a junior generation as effectively and efficiently as possible. That's the broad concept. So, so you know, I, I, my family, we were in the textile business over in Manchester. And, you know, 
generation after generation after generation, you know, we were, we were in that. And then my brother decided to go into advertising. I decided to go into, uh, into newspapers. So I never even, I never really saw that as such because we, we went our different ways. But, you know, in my mind, it was just, you know, hey, my dad was going to say he's going to retire and I just take over. It's not as simple as that, is it? It's, it's really not that simple. And, and it's also not a process that I can get a call on a Monday and say, hey, Ben, I need to have my succession plan, my transition plan done by Friday. Can you get that done for me? It, it's really not like that. It's a long-term process that stems typically over an 18-month period. And it really does require, it's a process and requires some planning in advance to make to make the process as effective as it can be because rushing through this or not dotting the i's and crossing the t's is difficult and there's a psychological part to it as well that's why it's fun for me because it's a, i'm a accountant by background but there's a psychological piece to this there's a legal piece to it the human element is is rampant and it, it really gets you an opportunity to take a picture of a business and what the possibilities may be down the road. Well, it's, it's you know, listen to you say that. I mean, I, I, it's, I, again, the, these conversations, I love these conversations because it really makes me look at things in completely different way because, you know, when you come in to a situation like that, somebody says, hey, I, I, I'm, I know I'm going to be retiring or I know I'm going to be doing something uh, with the business. Um, you come into it from a, from a third-party perspective point of view and you get to see you know the the siblings or or as you say the 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 generation coming in and they have to be sort of you know walked through how they're going to take over the business is that right how how does that process work it it, it is that when i come in the first thing i do and i I have learned this over a a long period of time It, it didn't come naturally nor did any law school class really sort of teach this to me. I had to develop the process myself, and it's sort of unique, but I do an assessment analysis, if you will, when I go into a, let's use a family context, and I make sure the best I can in that assessment analysis, and I can tell you how how I do that, to make sure the the process and what their goals and, and objectives are, are actually doable, because if the people don't buy into the process, it's really sort of wrought with potential failure and for example this may seem odd but it's true when I go into a I try to always go to the client's office and to the extent there's not a round table and it's a table like the one I'm sitting at now I never sit at the head of the table on on purpose because I want to see who does sometimes younger generation will take the head sometimes which is mostly the case older generation takes it but I use that as a initial indicator of who's really in charge of the operation. And it's a soft way of sort of getting some of the human family dynamics uh, of the the process. I do the assessment analysis by telling everybody there's one concept that everyone has to understand, and that is equality does not necessarily mean fair. You can be fair and not necessarily be equal. And we assess the family dynamics, how many kids there are, who's active in the business, who is not active in the business, what the dynamics are, whether the children who are active are married, whether they've been divorced, getting a lay of the land from a familial standpoint. Many times we don't even talk about the business itself 
for several sessions because I'm getting the background information of all the things they have in, in place, doing some corporate hygiene, if you will. Are there stock books, minute books, records in order, things like that, so I can do an assessment of what they have in place today. Because a lot of companies have done some of this by accident, some of it on purpose, but I'd see what they've got in place, and then I assess whether the prospects are likely or not likely, and I just say it like it is. Sometimes I have, I've told families, I don't think it's gonna happen, and then the transition plan turns more into an exit strategy, maybe a sale to a third party or sale to employees, but I do the assessment to figure that out. No, that's great. I mean, I, I just heard something there. Uh, the other day I had a company on who was, um, th th they specialized in corporate governance. And they were saying that, you know, it, when a company's set up, you know, the, 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 the minutes and the, the, the sort of the structure of the business is laid out, all the articles are put together, etc. And sometimes you forget what the articles are or, or the, the, some of the things that have been put in place. And you need to know that, don't you, um, for when you're putting things into place for that succession. Because if there's a big surprise, then it could kind of um, come back to bite them at the end. You're exactly right. Uh, corporate governance is a, is a part of this process. And I can't tell you the number of times I've looked at bylaws, for example, and they call for a certain number of directors, and that's not the number of directors that have actually been utilized. And again, I, I refer to that as corporate hygiene, having the minutes done, properly reference the, the status of the corporation or the, or the business. Yeah, you're right. A lot of times those records are not nearly thought about enough at the initial creation of those because no one knew what was going to happen. They get tossed in the drawer. Hopefully they get put in a, in a book that's we can look back at or look at currently to see what's going on. But that, that point is 100% accurate. Almost never are those records complete, and almost never are they in conformance with the way they have been running the business for some time. Well, we've been talking about family there, but you talk about groups as well. So if there isn't a family uh, sort of succession as such, um, tell, tell me more about the group side, if, if succession from group to group. How does that, what do you mean by that, and how does that work? Well, for, for example, if a company um, with unrelated people intends to grow, they've got to figure out how to, how to make that happen. And again, there's, there's two pieces to good succession planning. One piece is the ownership succession or ownership transition, which is traditionally thought about with lawyers and transferring ownership from one generation to the next. And the second side is the management transition, which is really where I spend most of my time. So in a non-familial context, the idea would be a company wants to expand. A company is looking for growth. Well, how do we do that? How do we transition some of the management down or vertically or horizontally to make it so it's possible because one person can't necessarily run the entire organization. So I start with organizational charts. Sometimes, and they're very, that's a very important tool for me because it tells me who's where. And a lot of times there's boxes that are not filled in or there's boxes where we don't know who should go into those. But in the non-family context, we're trying to take that org chart and if we're gonna expand, we've gotta figure out how we're gonna transition various aspects of that business to a next management group. Who is going to take over if Pat president, there's no one related, there's no automatic guarantee, there's no inheritable right, no entitlement right. How and what are we gonna to do to prolong the longevity of, of the company? So 
it's a different analysis because there's no one with a, the same last name who's guaranteed at least the first shot at taking over. So we've got to be a little bit broader in our human resource production. We've got to make sure we, we're interviewing people. We've got a process. We've got job descriptions. People buy in on a committee, perhaps. But it's, it's a different analysis, but the same concept, transferring control, management transition to a new group of people and how and what we want that to look like. You know, we, we, we've touched on uh, in, in previous shows about M&A. Um, M and A is 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 a you know an area where I think I think last year was one of the highest M and A areas in Texas in terms of, of, of companies changing hands and mergers and acquisitions etc. But one thing I did learn um, was that if you don't have an infrastructure of how you're gonna you are gonna you know run that company, um, the value can be questioned. Uh, but if you have things like you like you've just said in place and you have it all documented etc the value of that company is so much more because it's more appealing because people know what they're buying and they know how it's going to be you know transitioned as such um is that is that the case am i, am I or am i reading that wrong no you're 100 percent correct and i actually have empirical data to substantiate that i have been in many situations where we've gone through the, the planning process uh, where we transition the management to a new group of people. They all buy in. They have restrictive agreements and non-competes and the like. The corporate hygiene is in place. And I have specifically been told by buyers that, and they've quantified it for me, that the premium for the value of their company is upwards at 25 to 30% because that corporate hygiene and transition plan has been implemented. It makes it so much easier for a buyer when the due diligence is done where they've got the management team in place, where it doesn't take long to look through the records to see we've got, in, we've got a bench. We've got a bench of people, and we've done job descriptions. We've done SWOT analysis, for example. Yes, it, it can enhance the value up to 25 or 30%, and I've been told that by many buyers of companies. So... Um you know, unfortunately, we're coming up to the end of the segment because this is an event. I love these conversations and especially talking with somebody that knows so much about it. So thanks for joining me again, Ben, for this. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I think I remember talking to you off camera about was that um, it's never too early to start thinking about all this. Um, but is there a right time and a, a good time? I mean, is it coming up to tax season? Is it when you're doing your, at the end of the year? Well, when is the best time or is, is there not a good time? You just start. Well, I think starting is important, but I will tell you, as part of almost every transition plan we do, we create what we call a catastrophic plan. And up until eight months ago, I've never had a pandemic as part of the catastrophic plan. That's a new concept for us, but it has really caused almost every client I've had or I have to look at what their planning happens to be because the best laid plans because of coronavirus is different. Some, for some businesses, it's been positive. For many, it's been negative, but you can never start planning this stuff too far in advance because you just know, don't know what lies ahead. So I would encourage everybody to take a gander at, at this and say, it's a very simple question. What is my exit plan? And if something happens to me before I anticipate it, Will, what will become of my business and do we have something in place to help that transition along? Well, 
that was a great answer. And, and, and while you were talking, I thought of another, another question for you. Um, I heard earlier on in the, in the interview, you said, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and unfortunately, if it happens overnight and you haven't got one of these in place, then it can be a big problem. But you should, should uh, I heard 18 months. Um, but is, is it something that is ongoing where you start the plan and you can put all the, 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 the things in motion, but is it something that's a fluid document that keeps moving and growing and evolving over time, even once you've, you've start, started that fundamental uh, procedure? It absolutely is an evolving and fluid process. And in every, we, we create advisory boards for most of our companies. And at the beginning of the process, the process takes the majority of the time on these advisory board meetings. And towards, as you get further down the road, this process takes a, a second seat just to revise it and, and remind people about what it is and to let people know what the process is and to make sure we're still on the same track. Because at the end of the management transition phase, we have to look at what that ownership transition phase is going to look like, what the tax consequences will be, and how we treat children, for example, who are not active in the business. Yeah, it, it's an ongoing process that requires constant and, and continual review. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining me this morning because this has been awesome. I mean, um, you know, I'll be putting this out on the website. I'll be putting your information at the in the post that we, we, we uh, put together with this uh, video. And, of course, you'll be on our podcast that go out on, on iHeartRadio and all over the place. You're going to be famous, Ben. Don't worry. Um, so, um, But thank you for joining me. It's been a great, uh, great discussion. And I'm sure if the uh, listeners, the viewers, and readers want more information, they're going to send us, send us emails, and I'll pass them on to you. Happy to help any way I can. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ben. Stay safe. Same to you, Ben. Thanks so much. That was Ben Keller, of course, of Lathrop GPM. And, of course, the, you know, it's a really important subject. You know, uh, we, we kind of went from family to groups to management groups, etc. You, know, you remember that we had a, a, an, in, an interview a few weeks ago about corporate governance. We touched on that in this interview, about how important it is uh, to have everything documented and everything in place because you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Um, positive and negative and you've got to be prepared so in the vein of you know our planning for the fourth quarter conversation this was a perfect subject so um, listen out there be safe you know I'll put all the information as I always do on the website businessclassnews.com and um, you'll see me on LinkedIn and you'll see me on Facebook for business all the places that you need to, to learn more about so Thank you for joining me this morning and have a great time. Keep safe, make some money and have some fun. Goodbye.